everyone. Thanks again for joining us on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm Carly McBride, Marketing Program Manager and your host for this week's episode. For today's episode of Order Up, I'm excited to welcome Scott Dulch, Executive Director of the Connecticut Restaurant Association. Scott talks with us about how Connecticut has weathered the pandemic, but more importantly, how they're bouncing back and guiding the state through new hiring initiatives and taking advantage of state and local benefits for reopening restaurants. So Scott, thank you for taking some time to chat with us today. To start us off, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about the Connecticut Restaurant Association? Well, first and foremost, Carly, thanks so much for having me. Um, Yes, I'm the executive director of the Connecticut Restaurant Association. We uh, represent the state of Connecticut, as some people in other parts of the country think we're a small state, but we're still three and a half million people. We have 8,500 restaurants, I guess, pre-pandemic numbers. 160,000 is our workforce, generating almost $9 billion a year towards our state's economy. So it's an opportunity for us in our association is really to try to represent all facets of our industry, whether it is a small independent restaurant, it is a franchisee, uh, corporately owned restaurant, as well as caterers, private event venues, and uh, really the whole gamut of this industry. We try to do the most that we can on a state level, but then obviously we partner so closely with the National Restaurant Association on all federal initiatives that we try to push forward or things that can obviously hurt our industry back to a state level. And, And obviously the last 18 months within this pandemic it's definitely been an opportunity where we've had to work so hard, not only on a state level, but on a federal level to help our industry survive. Got it. And you mentioned it perfectly. The It's impossible to talk about the last 18 months without talking about the challenges that it's posed. So we know that this pandemic has posed some serious, huge challenges for restaurants across the country. So tell us a little bit more about the impact you've seen in Connecticut. I don't think anyone expected, you know, a hundred year pandemic or how that was going to impact everyone, but obviously our industry specifically, it hit so hard. Um, I, I still think back to that first kind of week in mid-March uh, when that that closures came and we didn't know what the future was going to hold. And it was such a difficult and tough time. You know, you had so many owner operators calling me um, in tears, you know, grown men and women that were just didn't know what the future was going to be like having to let people go. We saw almost 85,000 of our employees of that 160,000 get put on unemployment in the first two weeks. And it was it was rough. And you know we, we had to kind of pivot as an association and know that our job, our focus at that time was really trying to be a communication hub and try to be a voice for them and make sure that they didn't feel like they were alone. And I think also a big driving force with us in Connecticut was it wasn't about members. Um, you know, obviously we wanna help our members, but we wanted to help all 8,500, whether, you know, whatever restaurant or cater, whatever you were, we wanted to be able to help you get through it. And then we needed to build a stronger uh, relationship with our state government because we knew that our governor had a lot more power once those executive orders started to come into play, you know, and the power that he had and make sure that they understood the impact our industry had on the state, but then also any decisions they made on restrictions or making it more difficult for them, what it was going to mean on a business level, what you could lose. And we lost in the state of Connecticut, we lost, uh, you know, the, the last numbers we had, we lost about 600 plus. Um, I know out of the 110,000 national number, it doesn't seem like a lot. But as I drive it home on a state level, the majority of those were small independent restaurants um, that we did lose. And, you know, the good thing was there were some things that I think we worked on on a federal level and a state level that helped many more not lose their business. Uh, and, you know, as we went through the pandemic, things that we tried to do you know, pushing so hard to get expanded outdoor dining, getting the pieces of executive orders done that I think helped them. But then also on a federal level, 
Uh, we talk all the time about that first draw of PPP really didn't help our industry. The second draw, when the timing that had happened for a New England state uh, was critical, that December, January timeframe, I think we would have lost thousands of restaurants in our state if, if that didn't come to fruition. And unfortunately it did. And we were able to weather the, the second wave of COVID throughout, you know, I think December, January. And then we did have a lot of restaurants, what they like to call hibernate. I never liked using that word because I always think of hibernation, a bear is full for the winter. Our restaurants were, were hurting and having to close their doors for three or four months. Um, but the good thing was with the second round of PPP, with, with expanded uh, outdoor dining that we got into the early spring, we got some weather to turn. Um, a lot of those restaurants reopened. So that 600 number really didn't grow. But again, it's, you know, the, the amount of job loss we're still trying to get back. We're trying to get our workforce back here fully and trying to help these restaurants survive. And I think the other other piece right now is we're in another difficult state um, as we look even 18 months down, still talking about this with this Delta variant and how it's playing a role on the, you know, the locally owned business and a restaurant. And, you know, with margins getting squeezed, everyone knows our industry works on such tight margins of four to six percent profit margin. Like when these prime costs are going up, labor costs are going up, food costs are going up, these restaurants are struggling to survive, even if it was good times. But we forget that they also had faced 18 months of loss. And so I do worry about the next six to 12 months. And my job is just trying to be that voice for them of helping them carry through and find creative ways to make sure we don't lose any more restaurants than we've already lost in Connecticut. You already touched on this a little bit, um, but my next question was going to be, where do you stand now in Connecticut? couple things. I think, you know, I, I've always said I've tried to be the optimistic person. Um, you have to be, you know, since I took this role three years ago, but then even when the pandemic hit and how hard it was, you know, kind of almost being like a Dr. Phil for people calling and being able just to let them vent and talk. But I've always tried to look at the silver lining. And I think we are in a much better place than we even were back in the fall, even though this variant is playing a little bit of a role here up in Connecticut. But we have a vaccine. And, and as I look at some of my peers, you know, we have we lead the country in vaccinations, pretty much. We're almost at 80% of adults have, you know, at least 81% have one shot in the arm right now. We're soon to get both shots over the next few weeks. Like, we're not like other states in that. And I think that's going to play a crucial and critical role in hopefully not having restrictions in Connecticut and not having to have restaurants potentially be fearful of 50% indoor, like losing, you know, having to do spacing again or plexiglass. I want to be optimistic on that. But again, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And I think that's what makes it so difficult right now is we had a little bit of glimmer with that May 19th date for us is when we lifted all business restrictions in the state of Connecticut. We've had about two months of, I guess, not to say normalcy again, but people to stop thinking and talking about COVID and getting our restaurants back and the demand is there. Um, obviously, there's still feelers with, with worker shortage and other things that are going on. But you know, I worry about you know our next kind of three months specifically because our restaurants can't lose confidence and lose demand because this is a big time for New England uh, with the weather uh, restaurants to do really well, especially shoreline seasonal restaurants. This is their heart the next three to four weeks. So I don't know where we're going to go, but I think, you know, I will say confidently that Connecticut is better fit because I give our governor a lot of credit of, you know, and we've been a leader with that of pushing, getting more and more people vaccinated that I hope that helps affect us differently than maybe other states are dealing with this variant. And then I know Dr. Gottlieb uh, had made a comment about a week ago saying that he thinks this is the final wave. I knock on wood and hope that that he's right. Um, and we have a, a, a fall and a winter where we move beyond this and, and we can start focusing on the, the recovery uh, because we really aren't even in recovery yet. As we keep talking about, we thought maybe we were starting to see recovery. 
but we're still in this a little bit right now. We got to, we got to get through the next, I think, few months and hopefully we can start pushing for that. Definitely. That's something to be really proud of you and and your team members in Connecticut. So I did recently hear about the Connecticut Restaurant Relief Fund. Um, tell us a little bit more about that program and how you've partnered with DoorDash for that. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 as you guys know, uh, and many people listening in, like, you know, third party delivery companies, you know, in restaurants, um, how do you bring them together in the middle of the pandemic and make sure you kind of work together? And I think DoorDash, we went to them, uh, what, almost a year ago now in the middle of the pandemic and talked about how we can help our restaurants survive and how delivery plays such a factor and a role. And they, they came to us and said, hey, we want to do some things. We want to help people that, you know, either don't work with us now or even want to help our current client and look at rebates and things. And then they also, came to us and said, we'd also have, we have a, we have a pool of money that we want to allocate to different States. And they said, would you be interested? And I was like, absolutely. We have our foundation, which we had to rework a little bit. Our foundation was driven more like the you know, NRAEF when it's pro start driven, but we, we had actually already started that process because we launched an employee relief fund early on in the pandemic where we raised almost $200,000 and we gave stipend checks to employees that were displaced or had challenges through COVID and we had a lot of support there. But then with the restaurant relief fund, DoorDash was like, hey, you know, we didn't know what they were talking about, like 50, 100 grand. And when they came and said, hey, we'd like to give a, a half a million dollars, it was incredible. Like, I think I fell out of my chair almost on a Zoom call because I know they'd given that at Texas. But to say that to a state like Connecticut, we knew what kind of impact it could have. And, you know, their team, you know, with Katie Whitman and others, like working with us, helping set up our foundation and how we did uh, the process of, of applications it was a great start, but then you got, I think we had over like 980 formal applications. And then you realize that half a million dollars, if you're given 5,000 grants, don't, you know, you, you did about a hundred. And so it's still great to help one person. But, you know, for me, I was like, how do we raise six, 7 million? Cause I want to help everybody. And unfortunately, you know, we weren't able to do that, but at the same time, we really worked very hard with the DoorDash team to select people that really had been had challenges with federal dollars that they maybe didn't receive or other things that were out of their control and why this $5,000 would make such a difference. And then what we also tried to do with our team is we did everything we can. I think we hand delivered every one of the checks. One of my members of my team or myself, we went out and actually gave them a check, took a photo. But just as you know, for us, it was about seeing them, making sure they knew that we were trying to do other things to help them. But we hope this, this check would make a difference in helping their restaurant survive. And and those, those are the things that we're going to continue to look at as, as our foundation is taking on a life of its own of helping our industry. Um, but the, the relief fund, you know, is still ongoing. We still have people making donations and trying to help. We, we just partnered with the Goodwill of Connecticut uh, a couple months ago where they, they gave $1,000 for every 10,000 pieces of clothing that was um, donated for throughout the month of May. And we ended up raising, I think, another $25,000, $30,000. We handpicked six other restaurants to help with near the goodwill and we've done some of the checks. So there's just so much good that's coming. Like yeah, as a silver lining optimistic person that I am, like you look at this industry and how they are selfless. These restaurant owner operators, they think about others before themselves. They think about their community. They give back to hospitals, they give back to their staff. And we just wanted to do our part as an association to make sure we could help them. And, and DoorDash, you know, I couldn't thank them enough for their start and they're, you know, continuing to try to talk to us about other ways that they can continue to support our industry in Connecticut. And it means a lot. Did you know the National Restaurant Association produces and hosts several webinars each month to serve and grow the industry? 
topics ranging from hiring and workforce, food safety, and the most urgent and relevant policy topics during this turbulent time for restaurants. All previous webinars are also available for on-demand viewing. To learn more about upcoming and recorded webinars, please visit restaurant.org slash events slash learning. That's restaurant.org slash events slash learning. Speaking of the workforce um, that you you and your team have worked so hard to care for, there has been some serious challenges with workforce recruitment and also retention. So can you tell me a bit more about the work uh, that you and your team are doing to help Connecticut restaurants uh, secure new employees? Yeah, um, I wish I had the magic bullet of knowing how to get us back to pre-pandemic levels. You know, it's a topic I talk about every single day now. We, we saw the, the writing on the wall probably back in March and April that we started to see worker shortage becoming was going to be a future problem. And that's our industry is always based on trends. You, got, you know, you got to try to look into the future and see what your next challenge is going to be, um, whether it's worker shortage, food costs, food delivery, now uh, Delta variant. All of this plays a role. But with, with the worker shortage piece, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do is to try to work with the Department of Labor at a state level, work with our governor directly and make sure he understands that, you know, we're still nowhere near where we need to be and how it's impacting these restaurants. And we are, as of June numbers, I think we're still 30,000 or 29,000 jobs short of where we were pre-pandemic level. And that's incredible when you think of these restaurants are trying, they have the demand, but how are they trying to manage the demand at a 50 or 60, 65% staffing? And it's so hard. And like we're dealing right now with potential college students leaving our workforce to go back to school. And are we going to have people to backfill that? And, you know, you could go down to 40% or, you know, our restaurants are, I hope the September 4th date with the federal unemployment stipend, you know, it does help us. Do I think it's the only reason? No, but I think that we have to do what we can to encourage. We, we launched our job board, you know, probably like seven months ago, where we are continuing to try to be a, a conduit to promote uh, jobs for people. We're trying to work more with with our pro start students that have even left or other opportunities that are out there uh, with with uh, apprenticeship programs. We're trying to launch some things that you know maybe aren't going to help immediately, but we have to we try to have to fix this problem in the long term. And I think in the short term, I hope it does self correct itself a little bit. But I understand, and but I also think the restaurants, like we talk about with trends, Carly. It's you know, I think there's some things that are shifting, and and what I mean by that is like. You know, there's always going to be jobs for people without question, but are there ways to be more efficient? Are there ways to maybe not have the same workforce and still provide as much of the same service? Like when you look at QR codes and you look at ways that maybe, you know, you don't have the typical staff you had in the past or fast casual, like that is a topic that what we try to do as well is we try to have, you know, webinars and opportunities for restaurateurs to come in and talk to each other and vet out ideas. Or what are you trying to do? Or, hey, I heard you at Bar Taco, you're doing this. And with the runners, how is that working? What are the pros and cons? Like, because I think at the end of the day, I don't, you know, I'd love to say we're going to get back to 100% in the next three to four months. I don't think that's the reality. I think we might get a little bit closer, but I think the restaurants have to also figure out how best to run their business moving forward. The same way when we were shut down and they had no indoor dining, how are you going to survive on takeout? How are you going to survive, you know, and you had to go if you had no POS system or you had no delivery, you had no website. I think this is another challenge that will, I think, change a little bit of our industry moving forward. Um, but again, I still hope and believe that we are, you know, the one of the leading private sector workforces in the country, and especially in our state, and what jobs in our industry mean for everybody. One in three Americans have worked in this field at one point in their lives. 
And I say to the governor and I say to legislators all the time, it's not just about, oh, we're trying, yes, people make a life out of it and people can have a great career, but a lot of people also get into it for their first job or their second job or pay the way through college or be a part-time mother or, or, you know, get back on their feet after maybe unfortunately being incarcerated, whatever that it might be. But, you know, it teaches you a lot about adversity, dealing with people, you know, working on a team, all those things that you can take with you in life, whatever you want to do with what you're happy with. So I think that sometimes gets overshadowed sometimes of, you know, we don't take care of people or whatever else. And I think that's the farthest from the truth. Our staffs in our restaurants are our families. And I think people lose sight of that a little bit. And we talk about it, which I try to talk about it all the time, of why it was so difficult those first three weeks, four weeks of the pandemic, because the families were being let go. They were being sent home and like, they didn't know what the future was for them. And we are a service industry, it's customer service. If you don't have a great staff, it doesn't matter how great the food is. If you can't provide the service and make people feel really good from your hostess to, you know, someone that's your general manager that's been there for 10 years, like it doesn't matter about the product you might be bringing out of the kitchen. So I hope that we continue to, to figure out creative ways to, to highlight how great our industry is and how you can really make a living and do some really incredible things within the industry. But also it can be a stepping stone and why it's a great opportunity for teenagers and opportunities for people, you know, that maybe don't have an education where you don't have to walk in and you can be learned a skill set and be very successful moving forward. Excellent. You did a great job painting the picture of where things are. Um, So what's next for you and the Connecticut Restaurant Association? Like what's on your priority list right now? Right now, for me, it's about building a pathway to full recovery for our industry and however long that's going to take and what we can do and what are the needs of our members and non-members and and what other things either we're doing really well in Connecticut, but other things that we're maybe not doing as well as an association that we we can learn from. And I think you know, for us, we talked all the time about when this pandemic started, we really made a, a line in the sand and said, hey, it's not about membership um, at all. Like they'll come. It's about, I don't care if you've never been a member, you used to be a member, you're lapsed. We want to help you. If you're in our industry, in our state, we want to answer questions. We want to get you on a path. And, and then maybe, you know, I always take the onus that if they see the value we're providing, they, they won't take a chance of not paying you dues down the road. Um, as opposed to harping on them of, oh, well, we're only going to take care of our members. And I think um, I give my board a lot of credit that they gave me that opportunity where we had a reserve and we didn't let go of staff and we worked harder than we've ever worked over the last 18 months to make sure we were helping every restaurant. I think that's where our future focus is. And I also think the one thing that has happened in this pandemic is I think our industry got taken for granted from all walks, from the governor, legislators, just the general public. I think people forgot how important a local independent restaurant or a franchise or how important a restaurant industry is to to this country and to our state. And I think I don't want to ever have that happen again. And what else can I do in building relationships with legislators and events that we do? We're, we're kind of planning a huge gala, knock on wood, that we can have it at Foxwoods at the end of December, um, where we bring everybody together in our industry and highlight you know the best of the best of what's we all got through this and we're going to see the, we're going to see the future. Um, but, you know, because for us, another part of, I feel like my job is the culinary scene in Connecticut is phenomenal, but we've always, since I started was like, we were over, it was like New York city and Boston and like, we didn't even really exist. And I think that I've tried to work really hard about highlighting. We have some incredible chefs. We have some of the best restaurants in the world. We have obviously pizza in New Haven, which I wanted to make it a state food, but couldn't get that done in the Senate and piece of legislation, you know, for whatever that we have, I think that, you know, that only is going to help our industry moving forward that, 
you know, we're, we're talking about the positives and the good that our industry gives back and what, you know, why you want to, people travel on their bellies. Like we want them to travel to New Haven or to Mystic or, you know, somewhere else in our state from outside to come because of the cuisine. And I think that got lost a little bit. And I think we've really tried to have a focus here too, as we move forward, that we don't want people to take it for granted moving forward. Because when we do, it makes it that much harder. And we saw the repercussions of not being, able, oh, now they're seeing, wow, the tax dollars and the jobs and, you know, and everyone's saying, okay, we, we need to have a better focus that this industry is extremely important. We don't want to hurt it, you know, and it's helped us tremendously. And even in our state legislative session, we had via Zoom, which was crazy this year, but I think so many legislators on both sides of the aisle were typically I'm, I'm battling, you know, labor bills or scheduling bills. And we did have to battle those. But I think at the end of the day, they actually sat down with us and really wanted to have a better understanding of how our industry works and how any piece of legislation can either positively or neg negatively impact what we're doing. And that's, it's totally different than where I was my first year and a half before the pandemic in this role, which is great. You know, I, I've never had an opportunity where, you know, I have the governor directly calling me on his take on worker shortage and wanting to get mine. Like, I think I say that to our members a lot. Like, I don't take it for granted that I have to be a voice for the industry and I want to represent it as best I can, because I think moving forward, it's only going to hopefully help us as we try to get, I guess, beyond this pandemic and into the future and where we go from here for our industry, not only in Connecticut, but across the country. Is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to know uh, about the work that you and your team are doing in Connecticut? And where can they find more information? Tell us that too. Sure. Our website, ctrestaurant.org, is, you know, needs to be done a little bit better. It needs a, needs a facelift, but uh, we're working through that. But at the end of the day, and obviously all of our social platforms, we are on. But, you know, I guess for the listeners, you know, as much as I, I always say this all the time, like I somewhat of the face, you know, there's so many people behind the scenes that have made these last 18 months better off because of my staff. And because, you know, our, like our lobbyist, my PR person that, that used to work in the governor's office for eight years or two, you know, obviously my board of directors and what they do and their volunteer time to help this industry and being on so many calls, like there's so many people that helped us through this. Um, and even, and even the team at national, like, you know, I think that a lot of people lose sight of, uh, when I talk to restaurant owner operators, they're like, oh, well, I see the National Restaurant Association is just representing the bigger brands and the corporate, and it's the farthest thing from the truth. And I think that's another piece that I feel like as I've talked to Tom Bonet and, and Mike Watley and Sean Kennedy, like we need to continue to change because like our association wouldn't be where it is without National. And I wholeheartedly know for me as a fact in the three years, the things they've done to help us and reach out to us and fight on a, on a state level, they care about state issues because they know it can impact another state or can impact them on the federal level. But, you know, I think that people lose sight on a national level about, well, I'm a member of, of the National Restaurant Association. What does Connecticut do? Or the flip side, I'm a member of Connecticut, but why do I have dual membership? Why does it matter? And I think that, you know, my job is to make sure people understand that, you know, when things get done down in DC and Sean Kennedy's team is working so hard, yeah, I'm calling my seven delegates, which I'm reaching out to again today about RRF replenishment and how important that is for survival of, you know, we have 2000 businesses, we have 1300 businesses that receive money and which is great for them, but we had 2000 that got nothing. And so like, we know that I couldn't go to DC by myself and do this. Like the team we have at national that has been fighting for what, well over a hundred years on issues, they represent all of us. And I think that my job as, as a CEO and a state is to make sure more and more restaurants in Connecticut, but even in regional restaurants that I talk to understand that 
um, because it's only we're only going to be stronger with one voice. And I think we did a really good job. And national owes a lot a lot of credit to them of working through that and kind of changing in the middle of a pandemic that you know, we are so much stronger when we go after an initiative together and we get everybody behind it. And, and national isn't just a franchise and chains and they're important. Don't get me wrong. Like, like, and how great their team is of, of Mike getting me in contact with, you know, whether it's a Dunkin' Donuts and, or, you know, you know, Wendy's or McDonald's or Starbucks, because there's issues that will affect the smaller guy, but also all everybody and what we deal with. So I think that's a piece Carly that I think I think moving forward is partly my initiative as well, but making sure that we continue to build those relationships with all of our state associations. Um, you know, we have 52 of them. We have all 50 states. We, and we have DC and Puerto Rico. The CEOs have done phenomenal jobs, but the more that we continue to work together and then in lockstep with national, we're only going to be stronger moving forward. And, and I'm looking forward to, you know, where we go from here on that. And, and I think the opportunity that this pandemic, as you look at silver lining, you know, it opened a lot of people's eyes and changed a lot of things, I think, for the better of everything that we're going to do moving forward for this industry. Well, Scott, you clearly have a lot on your plate. You're a busy guy, and we cannot thank you enough for taking some time to speak with us about the great work that you and your team are doing in Connecticut. So thank you so much for chatting with us and have a great day. Did you know the National Restaurant Association produces and hosts several webinars each month to serve and grow the industry. Topics ranging from hiring and workforce, food safety, and the most urgent and relevant policy topics during this turbulent time for restaurants. All previous webinars are also available for on-demand viewing. To learn more about upcoming and recorded webinars, please visit restaurant.org events learning. That's restaurant.org slash events slash learning. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.